All right, welcome Dave Metzger up. Yeah, and let's go ahead and collect the connect cards and the giving. Thanks. I just, Dave asked me if I wanted to share something, and um, I'm learning that one of the best things to do is share what God's doing in your heart right now, because it's fresh. But in Isaiah chapter 48, the Lord keeps reminding me of verse 17. He says, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. If you had only paid attention... <laughs> if you had only paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river, your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Where Dave and I live right now in Crescent City, our first day out, we were amazed. I said, I have never in one day seen the ocean, lakes, lagoons, rivers, streams, rain, and sunshine all in one day. It is the most amazing, beautiful place. And uh, we have two rivers relatively close to us. Peace like a river really never meant a whole lot to me. Because, as you know, L.A. really doesn't know what a river is. Um, (laughs) But every time on any vacation, I would always want to see a river and sit next to a river and watch the river. But there are places when a river really isn't peaceful. I've never thought of a river, really. I grew up in church and knew that, you know, peace like a river, we sing the song. But... What the Lord has begun to show me that peace like a river isn't just sitting down next to a river and watching it go by. Peace like a river is getting in the river where the Lord is moving and allowing him to take you down the river. And it doesn't always seem like it's peaceful because there there's calm places and there's rapids. But the thing about the peace of a river is you're not in control. You've got to go where the river's going. And I am learning more than ever that the true obedience of listening to what he has to say. And when he says, I will teach you what is best for you and direct you in the way you should go. If you would only have listened, that resting in the peace of that river is going where the Holy Spirit is going. And that's where peace is. And so I recently had my sister-in-law tell me, because she has visited Crescent City, and she said, my hat's off to you because it's a different place. It's almost like a mission field in many ways. And she, she said, I, I'm glad I'm not called there. But you know what? There is great peace in being where God wants us to be, and I am grateful. But it also says your righteousness would be like the waves of the sea. We live 0.8 miles from the ocean, and I am at the shore walking, Dave running there often. And I have enjoyed seeing the ocean in all the seasons. Um, in fact, one day, Matthew and I got, and the boys, we got a big thing of popcorn, and we just sat out on the beach. And like you watch a movie, we got and ate popcorn and watched the waves because <laughs> there were these huge, big waves crashing over the rocks. Like, it was amazing. And it, like, ooh, ah, you know, just like you're watching a movie with your popcorn. It was awesome. But one of the things the Lord showed me about the, the waves of the sea, they're so constant, just like the river is constant. Your righteousness will be like the waves of the sea. And there are times when I'm not so righteous, but the grace of God covers me. And then I'm not doing so well, but the grace of God covers me. And then I kind of falter, but the grace of God covers me. He's begun to show me 
that my righteousness because of him is like the waves of the sea. It's constant. And I am so grateful for the fact that God calls us and directs us where we should go. Thank you. Wow. Thank you very much. Wow. 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 Thank you. Maybe I should just sit down. Wow. Um, uh, man, it's so good to be with friends and family. Uh, Dave and Michelle, you're very special to me. And uh, Clint and so many others. And the worship team was amazing this morning. You know, I sense a, a, a spirituality here. Their church has tended in the U.S. to be a little more program, a little more structured, uh, a little more whether the Holy Spirit is here or not will continue on. And I didn't feel that here. I felt like if the Holy Spirit isn't here, then what are we doing here, as the worship leader said. And that's something that we don't come across very often. And I, I don't want you to take that for granted. And let people know. Let people know that there's a place that they can come where the, the Holy Spirit is honored and welcomed and He's at work and we'll just see more miracles. I, I love this and I, I just feel humbled to be able to speak with you. It's an honor. It's a privilege. It's fun to be with you and I just look forward to seeing how God will, will, will work in our hearts, will speak to us in different ways, whether through the worship or, or through the, my message or just on His own. I, I just like being with God. I have been aware of people being stuck in the recent past. And it's very unfortunate. When I think of being stuck, I'm reminded of a time when I was asked to do some leadership training in the country of Kenya. We were uh, on a road, a dirt road, on the way from one village to another. There had been some rains, and we got stuck. And it was a mess. We all climbed out of the truck and uh, trying to figure out what to do. There wasn't much brush and trees, so we had to uh, go some distance to be able to get branches and get them underneath the tire so we could get some traction. We didn't have any traction, just stuck. And uh, they, I remember one of the guys said, Dave, if you'd stay close to the truck, please, because there's lions in this area. And <laughs> Well, that doesn't happen to me very often. And uh, by the way, I stuck close to the truck. Uh, yeah, this, I'm obedient in that way. But uh, we, finally, we, finally, we finally got the traction that we needed and we got out of there. I see people and work with people who seem to stay stuck, not for just months, but for years and years. And there are people who are stuck for decades. They might be stuck in uh, things that happened in their family. And they haven't moved out of that rut. Uh, things that have uh, happened in a bad experience. Uh, uh, habits, addictions are, are a form of being stuck. And it, it takes a lot of courage to take hold of the Holy Spirit and, and get out. Uh, and my heart goes out to, the, to people who, who are stuck or in some, some phase of stuckness. Is that, is that a word? Can we use that? Stuckness stuckness and uh, I, I think uh, people are stuck in marriages they're, they're just stuck uh, one of the things I see is that there's two kinds of stuckness one is that that rut and another is a, a cyclical stuckness and so for example in a marriage 
struggling over finance. So the husband takes on a second part-time job. And they, they start getting in more money. But communication is less because there's more time out of the home. And they have money now, but don't even hardly have time to spend it in the busyness. And so in the cycle of it, they're whirling around at this fast pace, but still not making any progress. They're stuck in the cycle. Churches can get stuck in a cycle. Uh, pastor's too busy. The leadership team is too busy. We need more volunteers. Let's, let's get some more volunteers. So we set up some programs and we have a series of messages and we read some books. And in the midst of all this, we get busy with all of this program to get more volunteers to get less busy. And in the midst of this, time with God gets sh- uh, shrunk a bit because there's so much to be done and trying to nurture and care. And in the midst of this, people don't like change too much So they kind of back away from this new program that is designed to get them involved. And then they kind of sit on the sidelines and watch. And then the pastors have to keep this program going because it's in place. We don't want to back off from it. It must work. It worked at some other church. And so there's this cyclical stuckness where we keep moving around trying to fix things. And, and we, we seem to hit things at a place where it doesn't help. It just seems to take us in another, another cycle. And, and we find ourselves stuck in that. And I've been there. And in, there's a few things where I'm in it. You know, there are various degrees of stuckness. And I, I felt, as I was asked by uh, Dave, who, Pastor Dave, my friend Dave, to speak to the leadership team while I was here for this short stay, I felt from the Lord a sense that sometimes we work on the building when the foundation is not good. And so I'll give you an example in, in, in real life. Uh, earthquakes come in and damage a foundation. Uh, poor soil will result in a foundation cracking and shifting, uh, weather, uh, and uh, then just aging. It kind of breaks down. And what we tend to do when a portion of the building is weak because of a poor foundation is move in and fix the building because the foundation is unseen. It's usually underground. And so we're we're busy repairing the building. Meanwhile, the foundation actually continues to deteriorate. And, And what happens is we're not addressing the real problem. That's that would be the uh, that prophetic sense that I have, and I want to work on that with you for a few minutes. And if you would turn with me to Matthew 7, Matthew chapter 7. We've got to be careful as we face these challenges, as we address our stuckness, that we deal with the real issue, the foundational issue, if there is a foundational issue, before we move on with building the building. In Matthew chapter 7, remember this is uh, part of what we usually call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And Jesus lays out 
so much for us of how to live in the kingdom. What does a person who lives in the kingdom look like? How do they think? And how do they live? And in Matthew 7, verse 24, Jesus gives us an easy-to-understand parable. And in fact, I don't think anything I'm going to say this morning is complicated. But it's piercing because sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we miss it because, in fact, it may be simple. Uh, Jesus says, Matthew 7.24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of Mine and, and if you'll underline this, puts them into practice. Because that's the issue. We have lots of great thinkers out there. Puts them into practice. is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And uh, the rock... The, the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew. And if you live in Southern California, the earthquakes came and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and, and this is what you also want to underline, does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I want you to note that the foundation is in the doing. That We have so many great thinkers, and I respect our thinkers, but a foundation where you walk with God for the rest of your life and on into eternity is something that you do. And Jesus is very clear about that. I... Uh, Uh, had an experience in my younger years uh, regarding a mall in Denver. I grew up in Denver. The mall was Cinderella City. And it was a huge mall. It had four anchor stores. You know, your pennies and whatnot. It had a theater. It had multi-levels. It had a fountain in the middle that was taller than this room. And it brand new when I was young. It was the largest uh, mall in the, in the continental U.S. The only mall that was larger at that time was in Hawaii. I, I mean, it, just my little legs as a kid, I just wore out walking from one end to the other and shopping at Christmas or what. And of course, oh, at Christmas, dazzling. Just a beautiful place. Well, a lot of people had argued that they shouldn't put this mall on top of this beautiful park there in Denver. It was a big park with a nice creek that went right down through the middle. And I had been there uh, as a kid uh, for family uh, picnics and just a beautiful park. And it was just gone. It was a parking lot in this huge building. Architecturally nice. Really the, one of the nicest malls I've ever been in in my life. Well, I went off to the military and went off to study and whatnot. And I came home and the mall was gone. Gone. They bowled, they, they, they knocked this huge structure down. What had happened is, remember the creek bed that I mentioned a little while ago? Well, they built this thing on this creek bed and they didn't put the foundation down deep. It was, it was shallow and over the years they were putting up uh, braces uh, in the parking lot against these walls so that as the walls were cracking and so on and they're trying to prop this thing up, this huge, enormous complex underneath. You see, there was lots of parking that wasn't available anymore because there were these, 
steel beams in place to prop this thing up. I mean, you've got you to think about this for a second. This is a, being propped up. And uh, eventually, as the cracks continued and who knows what lawsuits continued, they finally condemned the whole thing and, and bulldozed it and put up some of the new box stores that, that are more popular now. I was stunned that a multi-million dollar complex would have to be bulldozed because the foundation wasn't adequate. But it speaks to me of the imperative, the, the need, the essentiality of a good foundation. And Jesus is just clear. You've got to have your foundation on the rock. You've got to have your foundation in place. And just to give you an idea of the significance, look at the very next verse, verse 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at His teaching because He taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Interesting that this particular verse, though it refers to the body of teaching, comes right after this note on the need for a great foundation. So, what's the rock? What's the solid foundation? Well, certainly, it's the New Testament, the New Covenant, the Jesus, His teachings, and that these must be acted on. But we have to be careful that we don't reduce it to a set of doctrines or, or a few chapters in a theology book. Because always, in, in, in our understanding of the, of the Bible, it points toward relationship. It's relationship with God, relationship with Jesus, relationship with the Holy Spirit. And over and over, people have taken these things, tried to put them into words, ended up with a dry doctrine that doesn't have life anymore because it's not lived out. Jesus said you've got to practice it. You've got to do it. And so there's, there's something going on here. This foundation is a living foundation. It's a relational foundation. Uh, Hebrews 6 gives us a hint. You don't need to turn there. We've got it on the screen. Gives us a, a bit of an understanding of the foundation. But watch out that you don't get tripped up by this. Uh, he starts with, uh, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. That's building that building. Not laying again the foundation of repentance uh, from acts that lead to death. I just want to stop there. Each one of these things that he's going to mention have been turned into doctrines. Sets of teaching. You can have a whole book on each one of these. In fact, there's a book on the resurrection. There's a book on repentance. I have them in my on my shelf. But if they're only teachings and not lived, it's not going to work. And this passage has been understood more like a table of contents of a theology book than as a life-giving uh, reminder about foundation for people who want to build, who want to be close to Jesus, who want to make a difference in the world, who want to build something in Haiti and, and help those people uh, come to Jesus and turn away from the satanic uh, ways that have been prevalent there. Well, we're, we're going to have to realize that repentance from acts that lead to death, well, that's, that's not just... Uh, 
a doctrine that's actually changing your worldview from a worldview of Hollywood and Los Angeles and uh, America to a kingdom worldview where you see things different. And when you have a problem, you respond in a different way. And it's a way you live. And so repentance is actually changing the way you live. And I have to tell you, it really bothers me when people talk about repentance and they they refer to the Greek word, montaneo, and they say it's a change of mind. Well, yes. If you want to look at the Greek word, it truly does say change of mind. But where in the New Testament is repentance simply a change of a couple of your thoughts? Did John the Baptist ask you to change your thoughts? He offended all those folks. If you've got two coats, give one of them away. That'll solve the food problem around here. Uh, so we, we, have, we have turned these things into things that we think about. But repentance in the foundation is a change in the perspective, in the way we live. It's turning to another direction, another way of thinking. Then there's some more here. Uh, of faith in God. Well, that's the opposite of faith in everything else that we have our faith in. And, and it also is a move away from the demonic. It's an, and it's our life moved toward God. And it says, God, you're real. You're good. You care for me. I believe in you. I'm going for it. And faith in God means your life is actually lived at a risk. Kind of like living out of the boat and walking on the water. And if there's no risk... Hmm, might want to rethink. Am I really, do I have faith in God or am I, am I just kind of following the crowd? Um, there's another one here, instructions about baptisms. Water baptism symbolizing that change in life. But here, I notice in the foundation, the spirit baptism. How about that? How about that? Right here in the foundation. We've got churches, spirit baptism, and just move on. It's got, it says baptism. We want, we want the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We want all of it. We want everything that God has for us. And so here it is, right here. We want to make sure that our, 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 we're filled with the Holy Spirit. That means we're not filled with a lot of other things. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then it goes on, the laying out of hands. I love this because part of the foundation is that we have been given authority And we're able to lay hands on a person just like Jesus did and expect the same results. That's in the foundation. That's not an advanced teaching. You'd think it would be in most American church, wouldn't you? Most American church, well, when you you pray, maybe something will happen, but you better pray in God's will. And when they're all done, there's nothing left. And here it says, laying on of hands. Laying on of hands, just like Jesus did. Okay, that's in our foundation. And then the resurrection of the dead. Hey, we're not done here. We're not done here. We're moving on. We've got things to do. And when I thought of this passage as I was studying for this morning, the resurrection always had to do with, with power in our, in our present circumstance as well as... Because resurrection life starts now. And so it's something about not just being baptized in the Holy Spirit, baptized in water, but now drawing on that baptism as a way of life. And, and it's, it's a resurrection. There's no death of anything left. And then eternal judgment, that has something to do with the way we live. We realize that there will be a judgment. And yes, we've, we've got the grace. We've got the forgiveness. 
But there will be a day when we'll stand before God and give account. And all of this is in our foundation. And the, and, and the point of all of these is relationship with God. This is not, oh man, I'm going to write a new book and this is going to be my table of contents. This will be my theology book. No. It's how you live your life. And you say, well Dave, that verse always seemed pretty dry to me. Well, that's because people have taken some of the life out of, out of these texts. Let's let them breathe life into us. This is life. It's relationship. We were designed to live our lives out of our relationship with God. And that's at the foundation. That's where we start. Not where we end up 15 years from now. We start there. Well, okay. Now, we just want to make sure the rubber meets the road. This isn't always so easy after all. And yet, it's crucial. I do want to caution everyone here that because I'm using the word foundation, you don't dismiss this message and say, oh, that Dave... He's doing foundational stuff. I'm way further along than that. I don't need to listen to this message. I think I'm going to just study some more of the book of Hebrews for a while. Watch out, because that's a trap. That's a trap. Because if our foundation is not solid, even though it may be simple, if it's not solid, this great building that you're building may crumble. And I'll I'll give you an example of this Further down in chapter 7, if you're still in Matthew chapter 7, further down in verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father. And you want, that's what you want to underline there. Does the will of my Father. Who isn't? Does. Not thinks about it does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on, the, on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons and perform many miracles. And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This is a surprising passage. It's not easy. Uh, here we have this supernatural, this Spirit natural happening, but without connection to God. And uh, there, there's some tension there in understanding what was going on. But the point I get, the point is, it's not just doctrines, it's relationship. They were doing this stuff, but Jesus didn't know them. Because no, of course, that word, you know, Mary had not known a man. You know, this intimacy. That's what it's about. And if you're just busying yourself with a bunch of stuff, you may actually be in big trouble. If your foundation has been left and now you're building this big ministry and you're getting your television set up and ready to go, but Jesus doesn't know you, you've got problems. And this, this passage actually jarred me quite a bit uh, three or four or five years ago. I, I was reading along in my regular time with God and I came to this passage and it really jarred me because I was a very busy pastor, very busy leader, 
involved with many people. I said, man, have I become so busy that my relationship with God isn't intimate. And I had to deal with that for several months. I I felt a lot of guilt. I felt a lot of uh, things that I shouldn't have felt as a strong believer in Jesus. But it was because I was getting down to the real issue. Am I really walking with God or am I doing a lot of Christian stuff? And so I walked away from that passage and two or three months of wrestling with God to realize that I have to live in grace and that God is with me even in my stupidity and in my busyness. But He has asked me to not stay in that rut, to not stay stuck there, to get out and have the wonder of relationship with God that He wanted with Him that He wanted me to have all along. When, when, I, when I go to prayer, it's not some rote thing. Because people say, well, Dave, what are you talking about? Relationship with God. It's, it's a relationship based on two people coming through for each other. I have my part. I have, I have the asking and the dependence. But God's a God who says, I'm here with you. I'm listening to you. I'm responding to you. Be expecting, I answer. And it's, I think a lot, we, we, a lot of times we live our lives as though God's off on vacation. He's right here, right now. And so in my prayers, I, I'm thanking God. Thank you. Thank you for giving me freedom. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for authority over the demonic. Thank you for authority that, that healing is happening now. Uh, thank you for guidance. Thank you for drawing my kids to yourself. Thank you for taking care of my wife, my other members of my family. Thank you for taking care of my church. And in this relationship, I know things are happening. This isn't just an idea thing. This is a reality. And so this is what these, these passages are pointing to. So how do we rebuild this broken foundation? Which, by the way, is very costly in the natural realm. When, you, when a construction guy is consulted regarding the need to fix foundation that's underground, you're going to get a bill. We're, we're going to have to work hard if our foundation is fractured to get it fixed. Because we've got all this stuff going on on top of it. Some good. I hope all of it good. Some should probably go ahead and fall down, please. But it's all there. We've got to get in there and, and get it fixed. We've got to do something. I have a few thoughts that I'm going to uh, share with you. And, and they'll be here on the screen if you want to write them down. For, forgive us for not having message notes this morning. But um, every one of us has a different journey. And so I'm humbly going to give you a few thoughts that have helped me to rebuild my foundation where it has been hit. And whether these are helpful for you or whether they'll be others. But I, 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 will, I will go ahead because what I'm going to encourage you to do is be sure you're on the journey of making sure your foundation is strong regardless of what's going on. The first one that I saw is we've got to recognize 
the need for a strong foundation. Because sometimes people get stuck in religiosity. Well, I go to church every Sunday. I give a bunch of money. I read read the Bible to my kids before they go to bed at night. I'm a good person. But they don't realize the disconnect from God. I don't want Jesus to ever say to anybody in this room, I never knew you. Or even, I don't know you very well. I want something deep. And that's going to happen as we realize the need. Because the busyness, is, I mean, we live in the diamond lane. And it's, we're going to have to realize that there are, there's other things that are important. Another thing that uh, I've found that's been very helpful me, for me is to beef up my daily time with God. And it, it's just essential. I, I am now in my second year of a, of a church up north. Uh, I, I transitioned there from, from another church in Washington. And it, what I've done is built a church that defines itself by daily time with God. Because I don't know how you can do God without something daily. Have you ever tried a weekly with God? It's almost like not at all. You know, it's just not very good. It doesn't work. Very, it doesn't change much of anything. And this passage that I've used is one that you know well. It's in Luke 9.23. And Jesus said to the crowd, If any one of you wants to be My follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow Me. And so that, that has been at the crux of my life. It's the crux of my church. There is a daily walk. In fact, one guy got it so well that he, he titled his book Monday Morning Church to help people to understand that it's not about Sunday. It's about Monday through Saturday. And so, Monday morning church. With that, I want to make sure that I'm digging my own well deep. I don't know how many people I have come across over the, over the years that have been looking to me for their spiritual enthusiasm. My job is to equip them to dig their well deep so that they can have spiritual vibrancy no matter what happens and no matter where it happens. And... It is a very weak follower of Jesus to depend on the pastor to feed them, clothe them, and take care of them. That Dave has other jobs. And uh, I, I've just seen people falter in this. Another thing here, be with God daily. I want to include those special times of retreat and those special times of fasting that are necessary in the foundation. A fast isn't something extra for the mature follower of Jesus. We need it. We've got to do this. And we've got to have our retreat time. And the busyness, the life in the diamond lane, keeps us from our retreats. And we have to get brutal and get unstuck so that we can do this. Uh, Another thing that's helped me quite a lot is know who you are and who you're not. You, you, you don't want to relate to God as someone else. You don't want to relate to God through your pastor, through your spouse, 
uh, through a favorite uh, television personality. You want to relate to God out of your own self. You want to know your own strengths, your own weaknesses, and walk with God in that milieu. You you don't want to be a phony. Uh, I can list off my strengths. My wife can list off my weaknesses. And you've got to know them. And and then uh, another thing here in know who you are and know who you're not. I want to remind you to serve in your sweet spot. Serve in the place where you fit. Because you get so exhausted and you miss God when you're outside of who you are and what He's called you to do. Just watch out. That we, get, we slip into that because of need. But need will drive you all kinds of directions that God hasn't called you to go. Uh, with this very closely related, enjoy your day of rest. Revive that Sabbath. That, none of the Ten Commandments are, um, have been dumped by the New Covenant. It's just the way we do them. The way we think about them. They're from the heart. When we first started the church, Dave, I thought that I would do my Sabbath as kind of maybe one-seventh of a day or you know, over a period of a week. Maybe I get a couple hours here and a couple hours there because I was full-time at the college and then we were just, kill, just working full out to start the church and we had so much going on. And uh, so Sabbath was redefined to fit life in the diamond lane. How many of you know it just doesn't work? You've got to have a day off. It can start Friday afternoon and go to Saturday afternoon, or it can be all day Monday or what, but you've got to have a day off. And something like that. Pretty close to it. So I'll leave that with you. Uh, another thing I find in my foundation is to prioritize my family. The family is not part of, 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 of some addition up on the fifth floor. This is in your foundation that you take care of your family. Your family's a priority. And it's before ministry. You take care of your family. And then, of course, keep your fill ahead of your drain. We are so good at identifying our drain. Not very good at identifying our fill. And we do get drained. And then we get mad at God. We get mad at people. We get mad at the church. We get mad at me. But you've got to keep your fill ahead of your drain. And so Clint and I went running yesterday. I nearly died, but it's part of my fill. It's part of my fill to get outside and to be with healthy people and to talk about Jesus and to, and to get some sports in. You've got to have some fill. You identify your fill and you go for it. And be careful because when the drain is draining, you've got to have a little more fill. So sometimes we don't have enough fill and we increase our drain. Just, just some thoughts there. I bet you could add several things uh, along with this. And you can see my list is a little different than Hebrews because I want to make sure that I'm doing, thinking about it. And I also realize that it's about relationship. And when it's daily and when it's day of rest and priorities in the family, those other things that the author of Hebrews puts into place come about. And so, it's a journey, isn't it? It's a journey of finding our way to a strong foundation.
Just to be clear, let me restate. Make sure that when the hurricanes come, the storms come, the earthquakes come, the tremors come, that you repair your foundation before going back to building your building. That you can go to that cool seminar, that amazing retreat, and fix the fifth floor. But if your foundation is a mess, you're going to have trouble supporting it. Lord God, I just thank You for this uh, time. Precious, amazing, beautiful people that You've called to Yourself. And God, we are a fragile people. And we do get blown by the storms. We do get rocked by the earthquakes. Uh, We do get tossed around, beat up and hurt. And then we get swept into the busyness. And God, the busyness. We get so busy. Forgive us, Lord. We just run run to this and that. Our schedules are so full. And then in the midst of all this, God, we, we, we get disconnected from You. We're so ridiculous, but we do it. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us. We ask You, Lord, for, for depth with You. For depth with You. That we would relay our foundation with a with a, with a concerted effort and not to uh, just, just kind of get used to not being with You. Get stuck. So God, we're repenting. We're taking hold of You. And on a firm foundation of You, we'll live our lives. Thank You, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Clint's going to Take us on to the next things. Thank you, brother. I have to sit down now after our run, after our run yesterday. You can do whatever you want. <laughs>